Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. I'm excited. We're going to talk about it this weekend and mm-hmm. do a little do a little what are we watching episode this weekend and probably talk a little bit about Rings of Power mm-hmm. and House of Le Jargon. <laughs> House of the Pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Just rare. I can't stop thinking of the Jurassic Park with the not kazoo, but with a oh, melodica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, so good. That's how they should have done the intro. House of the Dragon. Absolutely. You screwed up. You missed a golden opportunity. <laughs> you missed the mark. <laughs> I did actually, I did have something to say about House of the Dragon this week, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, because we're coming off of last week's episode where we were like, oh, it's a female story. And it's like, but a bunch of men are going to talk to you about it. And yeah. Behind the scenes. Yeah. So episode four... I was still like, where where are your female voices? And they get to one particular scene and it was it was definitely heavy on the sexual aspect, but it immediately felt different. It did not feel like scenes that have been done in past Game of Thrones episodes. And when I got to, like, the behind the scenes or the inside of the episode, whatever they call it, it's because it was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, House of Dragons. Thank you, lady director, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Claire Kleiner, maybe? Is that I what it know. is? I'm sure I could look it something, up. Something. Claire something, but... After I watched it, I was like, you know, obviously very uncomfortable because, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking that had it had been the normal, like very pornographic style of Mm. shooting Mm -hmm. the people in the pleasure house, Mm -hmm. it would have just been like, ugh, and then that's it, right? Mm -hmm. So with the way that they kind of tweaked it, the women were actually taking part in what was going on and not just an object that was there mm. to be used, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, too, like, there's all of the mixed emotions because, yeah, like, Damon's like, you know, just because you're a woman or whatever doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, like so much confusion because on one half I'm like, true, but on the other half, incest, so mixed emotions. (laughs) And I would have not felt so many different things had it had just been like 
straight up pornographic you know like I had to sit back and think like wow like so many layers to unpack here yeah many uncomfortable but it wasn't just like ew next next scene yeah I think one of the things that was also really well laid out was the side-by-side scene of Alicent being called to do her her wifely duty her duty yeah Whoa. yeah and she's like it's late do i have to like you do sorry and of course like i don't really think she's getting a whole heck of a lot of pleasure out of this you know right here Rhaenyra is being led through and is being like it's being explained to her you know you don't have to just be used you can enjoy this too. It should be pleasurable. And that was, I mean, that's something that doesn't get presented through a female lens very often. Like we really are just kind of like, here, here, just use me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. all about you, not about me. Right? Yeah. But having like all those different tones and undercurrents to those scenes, mm-hmm. it made it better it made it more robust there was Mm. more things to talk about more things to think about Mm -hmm. other than it just being like bam bam boom people doing it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you know yeah it it made things much more I don't want to say interesting because that's not the right word, but there's definitely more to unpack, more to talk about, more to think about. Yeah, it's more appealing, which I think is kind of the point. I think had it been in the the normal style, Rhaenyra wouldn't have had the same reactions that she had as she's like, descending into these areas where everybody's just like going at it but it's not it's not as one-dimensional as usually gets portrayed they heard our last episode (laughs) we wrote it tracy no i'm kidding we wrote it we shot it redid the cgi everything because of us thanks hbo Uh, i'm just i'm excited to see the next episode because the the new one of the new dragons that are introduced gives me Godzilla vibes. Ooh. It's like this big barrel-chested squat dragon. Ooh. And I liked it. Ooh, that's exciting. I'm I'm actually like in it now. I was kind of dragging my feet about getting into it cuz I was just like do I want to Yeah, the first episode I was like, okay. And then <laughs> Now I'm riding the wave. Yeah. And I mean, Matt Smith is in it. And I just, he's my favorite doctor. Like, anytime somebody's like, Matt Smith is in something, I'm like, yes, please, I will watch that. I've seen so many people online who are, like, absolutely distraught. Like, how can anyone say that Rhaenyra should end up with Damon? That's just disgusting. What's wrong with you people? And I'm like, I think you're underestimating (laughs) women thirsting over Matt Smith, and that's it. Like, that's the bottom line. (laughs) It has nothing to do with incest. It's just, I think, people thirsting over Matt Smith. Well, and I mean, 
in that moment, Rhaenyra's come back from this, like, catastrophe of a courting. <laughs> Sorry. What? Adrian just said Tracy's done dragging her feet. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Uh-huh, it's true. It's going to be one of those episodes today. <laughs> I hope so. I took, I took like a nice little handful of meds before we started, so I wouldn't be like saying ouch the whole time through, and I never quite know how it's going to hit me. So potential for loopiness today in the recording, well, I would say. a couple of loopy loobies. Loobies! Matt gets called a looby this week. <laughs> so many fun things happen this week in these chapters specifically just tom like trying not to crap his pants i mean (laughs) so entertaining he just he doesn't really feel like like he feels like he wants to be there but he doesn't want to be there like matt is questions 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 and tom's like are we playing stones or what i just want to smoke my pipe and play stones and have a good night's sleep. That's what I'm here for. Why is Tom me? Like, just... quit, annoying, quit annoying me, young man. Like, just let me. I mean, obviously, I don't smoke a pipe. But imagine that I do. <laughs> oh, I will. I will imagine that. Okay. Did you have a quote? I have three. Pick your favorite. Any favorite. Okay. She looked as surprised as Matt at the knife that suddenly bloomed in her throat, a red flower of spreading blood. He took a half step as if to catch her as she fell, knowing it was no good. Her long cloak scuttled over her, covering everything but her face and the hilt of Tom's knife. Matt, chapter 44, The Dragon Reborn. Hunted. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, Yeah. We have two hunted this week, actually, which I thought was kind of fun. This chapter bounces back and forth a little bit, doesn't it? It does. It does. Actually, these all of these chapters, I didn't realize it until I was writing out chapter summaries. I'm like, oh gosh, like Matt's all over the place. He's over here, and then he's back at the palace, and then he's back at the Queen's Blessing, and then he's back at the palace, and then he's back at the Queen's Blessing. <laughs> He's all over the place, that Matt Cawthon. Right? Like, just back and forth, back and forth. And I think at the at the end of it, Tom's like, well, we're going to go to Erangel because that's where we can get a ship to Tyr. And I'm like, weren't you guys just there? Everybody's going to be hanging out in Tyr. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, God, it's I can't be wait. awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. If I'm not mistaken, next week's chapters start out with uh, Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene in tier finding a place to stay and i'm like spoiler alert tracy no i'm kidding oh. <laughs> <laughs> huge huge spoilers i've ruined everything now for everyone uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i'm i'm excited because i i think i think if i'm looked at it right we have about two weeks of reading left in the dragon reborn and we'll have it all wrapped up I'm so excited. Me too. Let's go through these summaries. Sure. I have those. I'm so ready to talk about a bunch of stuff. All right. So chapter 44, Hunted, 
Once again, it's time to leave a place without actually staying there. Perrin doesn't need to be told twice that with Samael ruling in Ilion, they need to get out now. They just get outside the city when they hear the calls of darkhounds following them. Moraine... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I loved it. <laughs> Do you think that's what they sound like? Oh. <laughs> no, they're Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Rot row, Shaggy. Shaggy can be paired in this situation. I think it's appropriate. Okay, so let's see here. Moraine sets up a place to defend their group and uses a forbidden weave to wipe the Darkhounds out of existence, and they return to the road to Tear. We jump point of view. Matt can't help himself. He opens one of the small fireworks a looter had given him, and Tom has a justifiable freakout. They are hailed from the road by a small group looking to share their fire, but of course they are actually there to attack Matt and Tom. The scuffle ends with most of the attackers dead, and Matt and Tom back on their horses looking to reach Camelin ASAP. So the first thing that stood out to me in this chapter was Balefire. I guess I just have Balefire on the brain after <laughs> recording yesterday. Right? I know Balefire. So, Moraine, <laughs> I, I, loved, I loved how well Robert Jordan did this chapter mm-hmm. kind of back-to-back with what happened with Nynaeve using Balefire previously. Yeah. And Moraine's like, I guess I don't remember who asked, like, what was it? And Moraine's like, in her very... Moraine, calm, mysterious mm-hmm. wizard self. She's mm-hmm. all forbidden weaves, forbidden mm-hmm. by vows, almost as strong as the three O's. Mm-hmm. Something that has not been used in nearly 2,000 years. And it's like, okay, cool, Moraine. But Nynaeve just used it like last 15 minutes ago. Chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just think it's funny because Moraine's probably like, I don't know. She probably there's probably no one that even really knows how to do this. I wonder if Moraine's being smug, like, yeah, like I can do this. No one else knows what this is. I'm a badass. Interesting. <laughs> and my niece sneezes, and she's like, "Uh oh, what was that?" <laughs> my niece, what came out of your nose? <laughs> Balefire. Balefire, obviously. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is one of those areas where it's like somehow our channelers are able to like just do weaves that other people are like, oh, for thousands of years, no one has used these things. But it's just like, nope. Like you said, naive sneezes and balefire. You know, <laughs> like no one had to teach yes. her. She just figured it out. That's probably not such a good thing. But. Moraine is like, I could be stilled for even knowing this. So how does she know it? And how does she know that she could be stilled for doing it? Like some people don't, like some I said, I don't even seem to know it exists. How the heck did Moraine learn the weaves for this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did she Did she just figure it out one day and then went up to Shiriam and was like, hey, I learned how to do this thing and I think it might involve time travel. <laughs> <laughs> And Shiriam's like, you foolish girl. (laughs) Pulls out the paddle. Right? The slipper. There has to be an advancement in the way that Balefire is looked at in the series. Because 
in the situation where Nynaeve uses it, where Moraine uses it, I don't think there's any like time jump involved. And that is something that gets associated with Balefire later on that I'm like, why isn't that something that's being used now? Yeah. I guess if you keep blasting history so that things never existed, Mm -hmm. then yeah, like it makes sense. Things would start to crumble and the foundation of reality changes Mm -hmm. for good to a point where you can't bring it back to what it was. Yeah. Which is why people stopped using it. Because they were like, it's not just destroying our enemies, it's destroying the fabric of the pattern as it's being used. And here it's just kind of like, oh, dark hounds, oh, we're drawl. <laughs> shadow spawn don't count. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it doesn't work when you're attacking shadow spawn directly. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't know. a powerful enough use of the one power in the moment. Like, I know Moraine makes the comment where she's like, hopefully Samael won't have seen that. So maybe she was just putting like. A trickle of balefire out there. I don't know. I don't know. I just it's if you could get the balefire stream to be as small as possible, like a teeny tiny laser, could you just like <laughs> hit a part of a being? Like, well, took your feet. You're not going anywhere. Your feet never existed. <laughs> then is the pattern okay, or does it have to be like if you take out the whole creature, then? Things start to change with the pattern. Like I'm trying to just, yeah, I'm trying to justify just ways to make balefire not dangerous. See, this is why I would be a forsaken, I guess. <laughs> but I really want to use it, guys. It's so useful. Oh, Amber Nor, quit doing <laughs> science projects. <laughs> you would make the best creatures, though. Like I feel cat as, girls. Yeah. <laughs> I feel as though your love for uh, creatures would would help in the production of some pretty wild wild creations. There is that funny little thing where Perrin's like that was one of my thoughts for the opening is where Perrin has the whole two rivers folk were not known for giving up. <laughs> Tough to yeah, we pick ourselves fun. up by our boots, right? Yay, Manetherin. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Moraine when she's gathering everybody up, like it's time to go, we have to go, and apparently they're just being kind of slow, and she's like, move, you foolish children, move! <laughs> we don't have her losing her cool very often, but I feel like in this one it is like there's also like this ties back into the show where I love how Maureen's like, you know what? If you guys want to stay here, you stay here. I don't care. I'm if you want to die, your... that's totally cool yeah. with me. <laughs> done with your foolishness. Over it. <laughs> Choices, guys. Yeah, I love this. This very like human reaction. Like we just need to get out of here. The lady Maureen Domadred has seen some shit. Yeah, you know? she has. She's... She's done. Yeah. She's done. She's like, did I mention Forsaken and Dark Hound? I can't I don't understand why you <laughs> guys aren't wrong running. With you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
mean, obviously, Matt fireworks is just hilarious. That every time. That's hilarious, Matt. Matt is every single one of our little brothers <laughs> who is a slight pyromaniac. Um, yes, or older brothers. My my brother set our upstairs bathroom on fire when he was trying to make a flamethrower when he was like 11. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. Of course right, he did. Right after my mom had just finished redoing it too, like cracked the marble of the new like bathroom sink, scorched all the new wallpaper oh she had done. But she was not happy. She was not happy. <laughs> And then your brother got kicked out and joined the military. <laughs> Is that how it happened? You know what? Uh, I think if he would have been given the opportunity right then at age 11, he would have been like, yes, sign me up. <laughs> Do I get a flamethrower that works? Because that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Uh, so funny. Yeah. So Tom like has his totally understandable freak out with Matt like, Nothing even happened. And then he throws it into the fire. Matt, for fuck's sake. What? Who is teaching these children in the two rivers? How does he not know? (laughs) Right? And Matt's like, sometimes Uh, the air is enough to ignite them. Matt's like, oh, okay. Can I open a larger (laughs) one now? (sighs) Matt, you dope. Okay, I didn't have a ton of Mm-mm. notes on this chapter myself. Okay, so there, these are the little things about Matt that I really enjoy in the way that he's written versus Matt and Rand. And it's like anytime he has a quarterstaff in his hand, he's just like this unstoppable badass. But where he's like... Feeling almost contemptuous, Matt cracked the fellow's wrist with one end of his staff, sending the sword flying, and cracked his forehead with the other. (laughs) Matt, now you're just showing off. Right? But I love that. (laughs) I love that, like, snark and swagger that I can just, like, picture him having. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Matt. These fools. And Tom's just, you know... Smoking his pipe, twirling his mustache, watching it all go down. Nonchalantly throwing daggers when needed. Throwing daggers through someone's neck. Well, this is very reminiscent. Like, they did this very well in the TV show with Tom throwing the knife through dark friend Dana's throat. I wrote that down. Yeah. I was like, oh, is this how we get this scene in the show? Like. I don't know if we're going to get multiple campsite forays from enemies in the TV show. Like, I think they'll probably keep those to a minimum. But this, like, just this descriptive moment of that happening, like, cool, really cool. And I love that we got in the show because then you see, like, that startlement. And then for both Matt and Rand, who each have, like, these haunting memories of women that they have killed i think matt probably a little bit more than rand at this one who's kind of like rand's kind of losing his mind a little right now so whatever yeah and he just killed a woman and he didn't think twice about it yeah where on the other hand matt is like tom how dare you how dare you hurt a lady (laughs) 
hello lady yeah so tom tom is like i can totally just like fall asleep now like just kick the corpses to the side of the campsite and curl up and fall asleep and matt's like "Mm, let's go (laughs) let's go probably the better option right tom's like all this dagger twirling has made me sleepy (laughs) just like just push the bodies aside it's fine and take a nap and Matt's like we got we should go we should just go let's let's go <laughs> I'm excited to go to Camelin then that is what we shall do okay so chapter 45 is Camelin as the chapter title suggests we are back in Camelin and even though this is Matt's second visit much of it feels like the first time he's seeing it Matt is good to his word of delivering the letter within the hour of arriving and parts with Tom to head off to the palace. Things do not go according to plan, and Matt is back at the Queen's Blessing far sooner than he had hoped. But he's basically there to drop off his shit, check in with Tom, and he's back on his way to the palace with a new plan in mind. That's chapter 45. I love this whole setting. I don't know what it is about a little common room and it being cozy and games are being played i want to be there yeah and it's it's the book the books part like it's the library of the inn where tom and basil are hanging out and even though matt's been in that library before he's still like whoa look at all the books look at all those books that's a lot of books yeah we got mention of jane farstrider (laughs) i love how he's like i always meant to read that I know, right? It's like, Matt, quit pretending. Right. You were never going to read. You were we never going to read that. Uh-uh. <laughs> you don't even know that throwing fireworks in the fire is dangerous. <laughs> Reading books is how you get out of get out of this mess. Yeah, yeah. But the last time we were here, we met Loyal, and that just makes me happy. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, I loved, loved, as soon as we get to the inn in Camelin, the opening description is Matt seeing this large man petting a cat. And I was like, Lame Gwen is back! Lame Gwen! <laughs> <laughs> He's probably one of my favorite, like, very minor, minor characters. Yeah. Him and Basil Gill. They both have such like... a good combo. Mm-hmm. Such a good combo. I'm so distraught over no Basil Gill in the TV show. There is, but he's in Tarvalon. Yeah, but yeah, it's like a the. Oh, I don't know. It's just like a very tiny little cameo. But I feel like in mm-hmm. the books, the inn is such a. It's not important, but. But it's it kind of in is. My heart. It kind of is, though. <laughs> like, there's going to be. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but the Queen's blessing and Basil Gill, and like they don't become major characters, but they certainly have a portion of the storyline that they carry out as well. Unless, unless certain things change, which I can completely understand for like simplicity's sake. And they just were like, well, let's put Basil Gill here for, like, the the book yeah. fans. Not thinking that we get upset that he's in the wrong city. He's in the wrong city. 
<laughs> and I understand because <sighs> building sets are expensive. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, they're not going to build Camelin just like a whole city just for this one Mm-mm. brief encounter. Mm-mm. So no. it makes sense that they would kind of move things around a little bit, but it still hurts my heart. No, I'm with you. I am kind of wondering if they won't have to eventually build a Camelin, though. Well, I would imagine. How are we going to get all of this intrigue with Morgays and I almost said... I'm <laughs> stumbling <laughs> over spoilers right now, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, some important things happen there in Camelin. Yeah. With some important people. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's a beautiful place. Uh-huh. Like the descriptions in the book, the old town and the new town and everything growing from the center. It just... It feels like one of these places that I can so easily imagine. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's one of my reasons to feeling like this closeness to it because I could actually like very easily picture it yeah. in my head. Mm-hmm. I would like to see how they're going to make this, like when they do come around to building Camelon because I'm just going to assume that they're going to have to, to see the difference between Tarvalon and Camelin in the in TV show land and in the way that it's interpreted because maybe Camelin will look really different in the TV show than my my brain has it looking like when I read the books because I mean Tarvalon looks very different to me in the TV show in some ways better than what my my head has it in some ways not so much it's growing on me never really pictured Tarvalon just the tower and maybe some bridges mm-hmm but I did really like Tom tossing the dice mm-hmm. while they're playing stones. And Basil Gill is like, oh, that's the best role or the worst role, depending on the game you're playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's just the perfect way to kind of have foreshadowing over Matt, you know, mm-hmm. like what his luck is like. Mm-hmm. Because. He's not lucky for himself. He's lucky for the pattern, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So he does have luck, but that doesn't mean that he can't lose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Luck can take care of him or it can land him in a hornet's nest, if you will. Yes, yes. The guards are really surly. Like when he's trying to drop off Elaine's letter and the way that he's being treated by the the palace guards. He says at one point that, like, the guard in the front that he's addressing, Matt says, surely he's old enough to have more than one knot of rank. And I'm like, Matt, how do you know that? <laughs> oh, good catch. Good catch. Thanks. Maybe that's just something you kind of pick up on yeah being a boy and being interested in boy things (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah or maybe it's just not to be stereotypical or anything i mean given the book i feel like you're safe going on a stereotype just saying thank you yeah for sure 
but yeah, he definitely, I don't know. I was like, how do you, how do you do that, Matt? And should he? And then he's fat rather than stocky. What is going on in Camelin? We know. New readers don't know. We know. We know. <laughs> There's also when, <laughs> so of course this guardsman doesn't take Matt seriously. He's like, there's no way you came from Tarvalon, and there's no way you have a letter from the princess, and you just need to go away. And he calls him a half-wit luby as part of his wrong mm-hmm. against Matt. And I had a nice little giggle. Anytime the word luby pops in. Love it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I like how... The scene gives us another opportunity to, I guess, suss out Camelin. Mm-hmm. Because if he would have just been like, okay, sure, hand over the letter or I'll escort you in, mm-hmm. it would have been like, okay, like, I guess that's that. But now instead of him getting shooed away, I guess, I mean, let's be honest, he probably could have gotten imprisoned mm-hmm. had he stayed longer or tried to argue with the guy yeah but now we get a do-over it's even like ordered by that guy like to arrest matt as a dark friend and matt only gets away because he's on a horse and the other folks aren't so yeah he very easily could have just been tossed into prison at this point and then where would we be maybe tom throwing more daggers (laughs) i like two how Tom has kind of made the Queen's Blessing like his little fortification because we're obviously getting to know more about Tom in these chapters and his relationship with Morgays. He's talking a lot about how her anger can pretty much change with the wind. Like one moment she could be offering him flowers and the next moment she could be like, I'm throwing you in prison. Mm -hmm. So he's not like too surprised about the things that he hears about more gays, but I do like this more of a backstory, kind of like enriching it a little bit. And after all of this happens in this chapter and Matt leaves the inn, then we get part two of... Mm -hmm the letter which mm-hmm. I, I did like it I did like it. it it didn't come off as kind of like wordy or whatever mm-hmm. I'm glad it's included mm-hmm. same but I mean overall not like a super I guess stimulating <laughs> chapter nah. just more kind nah. of information than anything else I don't know if I have really anything anything else to add on to this well let's well let's Do move you? ahead no I'm good. Should we like take a break from our sponsor and then move on to the last two chapters? Yeah. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on The Road to Tarvalin. And now we're back. And now we're back. 
So chapter 46 is a message out of the shadow. We all know what Matt's going to do, right? He heads back to the palace, but this time he takes the Rand Trail and climbs over one of the walls and into the palace gardens. He manages to overhear some truly unsettling news while hiding from the guards and then becomes the one looking for them. Somehow he stumbles across Talonvor, who unhappily takes Matt to see the queen. His presence is questioned, of course, but he manages to deliver Elaine's letter and not be thrown in a cell. He is dismissed from the queen's court and taken away by Talonvor. Talonvor! Talonvor is back. Right? Or not back. Did we? Yeah, he was in. He, yeah, he was yeah. in the eye of the world. Yeah, he's the one that, like, Elaine kind of bosses around and is like, I'm the daughter heir, Talonvor. <laughs> Good for you. Boss him around. That's right. I loved Matt's whole inner monologue while he's climbing the wall about mm. being in the mountains and living off of the land for like three days and it was very uh <laughs> what's the name of that book the guy you know that died and oh into the, into the wild yes yeah. he was having his own very own into the wild <laughs> moment uh. and then he kind of like loses his grip and he was like telling himself like you idiot you about got yourself killed living in your memories mm -hmm. and i think he's <laughs> like yeah that would have broke my skull <laughs> he does yeah he's like i'm not that high up but uh oof that would have been bad and i loved i loved the inclusion of all of his little trinkets that he brought back home yes. from his time his three days in the mountain like a white eagle feather and a stone that looked like an ear <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though Perrin and Rand said it didn't Matt was like no no it looks like an ear yeah and then I think does he say was it Miss Master Luhan somebody was like oh it does look like an ear mm. I feel like it was just somebody it was Tam him like was it Tam it was Tam Aww. yeah he was like oh yeah Good job, Matt. That does look like an ear. <laughs> See, coming from Tam, and since, like, we know that Tam's been, like, outside of the Two Rivers before, I, I was like, maybe, maybe Tam's like, yeah, I've seen stuff. That could be the thing that you think it is, you know? Like, the, I felt like he was the only person on Matt's side on that one. Well, he, what else did he find? A fossil? Like, he found mm -hmm. some type of fish fossil and a stone. Mm -hmm. I think he has, like, a feather. Yeah, I was trying to think of what a stone that can look like an ear could be. <laughs> like, is there, am I reading too far into this? Is there some type of weird theory here? Mm. I must know. I just figured like relics from the layers of the past of the area that they lived in, like just giving it this additional history to building up where he comes from, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it could have been like something from a small statue. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess those are the p pieces that fall off statues the easiest, mm -hmm. eye or ears and noses. Yeah. So it could have been some Manetheran mm -hmm. trinket from the age of yore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I always thought it would be. And like, I was always like, how cool is that? That's just so cool that that might be like 
a leftover from Manetherin. Man, when I go magnet fishing, all I find is empty shinken tins. <laughs> someone's meat cans. Gross. Not as cool as an ear. No. No, definitely <laughs> all not. All I find is beer caps. Oh, that's not fun. But I love that you go Ooh. magnet fishing. I did it once. Yeah. <laughs> It's not allowed here. Really? I mean, you would get in huge trouble if you found something and didn't turn it in. And, you know, there's always the danger of living in a post-World War II country. Mm -hmm. They find so many unexploded bombs that it's a very normal Occurrence. Yikes. Maybe the trains are shut down or something because they find another one. Especially with all of the, with no rain all summer, all of the (laughs) rivers went really dry. (gasps) So I think they found some there too. Oh my God. That's crazy. But that's so cool. And too, like if you found something that was worth something, Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to. Keep to it keep it in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> There's no finders keepers. Hmm. Hmm. Possession is not nine tenths of the law. Correct. Arthur likes to At do least it. Every that's once how in a while. it was explained to me. So Yeah. He hasn't really found anything super fun, but he does like he does like to go out to the rivers and romp around by the the edges and whatnot. Anyway, uh mm. back, back to Camelin. <laughs> <laughs> back to Camelin. We do have like we I didn't have it in the in the summary just this conversation between this Komar guy and another guy and we have this behead the daughter heir and her two friends and <laughs> trouble trouble. Yeah, and They're the real lubies talking about it kind of out (laughs) in the open. They think they're alone, but they're not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How lucky for Matt to overhear. Right. I I did really like this whole introduction of Matt to more gays. I just thought... I don't know, again, like one of those things that I can see very easily in my head. So it was just... It was nice, like mm-hmm. him. Everyone has the same opinion when they first meet more gays. They're like, oh, wow, she's beautiful. And they're like, it's like Elaine, but even prettier, you know? Yeah, that, that word. Or maybe not prettier. I think he uses the word ripen, where I'm like, ew. Yes, yes. That was actually what I had underlined. The avocado? Yes. Avocado talk again? Yes. I am not an avocado match from Cawthon. I do not <laughs> ripen. <laughs> yeah, I have I have in the margin on my book, stop, like underlined. <laughs> Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. I think that the observation of the way that Morgase is behaving around Gabriel is a good one to have included here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We know. We know. Yeah. Like she goes, Matt observes that at one point 
she kind of turns and looks at Gabriel like she's annoyed with him and he just has to like reach out and touch her or whatever and she's like oh I guess I'm totally fine (laughs) I love you (laughs) silly me yeah silly me yeah and then there's also I think the other thing in here so after Matt's been dismissed Gabriel is like okay so now it's time for us to take care of the stuff that's happening along the border of Andor and Morghese, you have a claim to the Sun Throne. Everybody listen up. And they do. And he's the one who's leading this discussion. Right. He's orchestrating it. Exactly. And the Queen just seems to be listening as raptly as everyone else is to what this guy is saying. So there's definitely something that feels really off about this. Mm -hmm. And Matt senses it as he's leaving. I mean, how could you not? Like... This guy is, he's, he's described as a out of town Lord really from like a small town yeah, or a small place. Mm -hmm. Like we know nothing about this guy. Mm -hmm. How the heck does some random guy show up and be like, oh yes, I'm a lesser Lord. You may not have heard of me. No one's heard of him. And... Mm-hmm. Just come in and sweep the queen off her feet mm-hmm. and then take over the city guard and start making moves on the sun throne. Mm-hmm. Sus. Mm-hmm. Very sus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I think Basil Gill gives more information about like Gabriel in the next chapter and. There's a part where he's like, I think he comes from out by your way, Matt, like in the two rivers. And Matt's like, the two rivers has no lords. Right. Suck it. We don't do that shit mm-hmm. back there. <laughs> yeah. The most we got is thatched roofs. Right? Yeah. So. We're feeling pretty good about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely something weird happening here, I think. Yeah. I think, I think that's all I have for Chapter 46. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? No, let's race to the shadow. Okay, cool. Chapter 47. Lots of back and forth in these chapters, like I said earlier. Matt returns to the Queen's Blessing, gets some of the hot gas from Basil Gill about the deal with Gabriel. He fills them in on the threat he overhears before telling them he's going to hightail it out of there to go rescue Elaine, the Queen, and Nynaeve in tear. There will be no sleeping in a bed again tonight as Matt demands to have his horse saddled up and ready to go. Tom agrees to come along as well, why not, and says their best bet is to get a ship in Erangel. Dun-da-da. <laughs> Dun-da-da. This, these chapters are so back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My head is spinning. Yes, I was like, I'm tired. I'm tired just reading all of this, like, walking around in the palace and climbing on walls and back and forth between the queen's blessing and then he's like i'm gonna eat food and then i'm leaving elaine and Aguine and nynaeve are all in trouble and they don't know it and i have to go rescue them <laughs> someone has to tell them yeah i think this chapter was really funny where was it this chapter where tom was like talking about the letter and he's like i read it it was not coded there was nothing in there i think 
I think that's actually when they are. Was it the previous one? Yeah. I previous th- Camelin? I think it was. Actually, I think it was when they were. Um, when they were camping. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I do like that Tom <laughs> just being like Tom with his intrigue. Mm-hmm. Like, I've checked it for ciphers mm-hmm. and there's nothing in here, boy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in here, fool. Yeah. And to be honest, like, the, the letter is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's probably not even anything that's going to make more gays feel any better, Mm-mm. you know? No. Nope. She's not going to know if. Elaine is still even in Tarvalin by the time she reaches, or she, by the time the letter reaches her. So the whole letter was just to get us to Camelin mm-hmm. because things are happening. Do you think they'll cut this part out in the TV show? I really don't know. I really don't know. It's very possible. Yeah, it just, like, I'm I'm trying to think about, like, where this all, like, other than finding out about Gabriel and getting us back with Talonvor and Basil Gill, there's really no reason for them to, like, keep this section in the TV show. Like, Matt could overhear a rumor while he's still in Tarvalon about Elaine and Aguina and Nynaeve being in trouble after they've already left. And he mm-hmm. bumps into Tom on his way to go rescue them. And we cut out that whole Camelon. Yeah, that whole Camelon section gets kicked to the curb. And if that gets kicked to the curb, we essentially don't really need more gays. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Because I like more gays. I really do. I do too. And I, I feel like introducing her and like seeing her is actually a really good thing for the Wheel of Time to do in the TV series. And it's part of it has to do with with a section that I underlined where Tom's asking about you know if Morgase marries Gabriel will he be will he be queen? <laughs> I mean, depending on the day, maybe, maybe. Oh, I just can't wait <laughs> to be queen. Wheel of Time the musical. Sorry. Once again, once again, Basil Gill's response is that they have a queen always a queen and especially like watching shows like game of thrones and now house of the dragon dragon oh my god house of the dragon when the idea of a woman being queen everyone's like oh no the people will never stand for it and we're here we have like this delightful flip where it's like the people it's like no yeah it will never be a king never like that's not how it goes yeah the people will never stand for it if there's a king, you know? Right, and right. I, I love that about Andor, that Andor always has a queen. It is never, ever in question. Ugh. See, this is why they need more gays. This is why they need, this is why they need Camelot. They should, they should really, like, take advantage Mr. of this. Rafe Judkins. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Think about it. Think on it. <laughs> I mean, Morghese has such an interesting storyline from here to, you know, wherever things go in the book series. And even Elaine, like, she's the daughter heir. She's not male. (laughs) It is assumed that even though her sibling is an older male, 
there is no way he can inherit the throne because it is only women. And so she's she's been in this position from the time she was born that she would ascend to the throne one day. No questions. This is just how it's done. I just thought about how, like, maybe they could, maybe it'll just be a throwaway where it's, like, a little bit of side plot exposition mm. where someone's like, oh, this is how things go in Camelin, and, like, that's it. Yeah. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, that, I mean, they could do that at least. Mm-hmm. And then the more I think, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's even worse. Don't bring it up if you're not going to show it and make make it a point, yeah. you know? What are the implications? What does it mean for the story? Yep. And especially what, how does that how does that make the Wheel of Time world different than yes. other fantasy novels? Yes. Use it. Include yeah. it. There are a couple places where I think well, I think Andor is the only place where it is always a queen. But even later on we have various monarchs and leaders of countries who are also powerful females and i think that that's something that me not always but they're not andor and they're not the biggest and the baddest yes and the best yes and i'm not saying it's because they only have a queen (laughs) but i mean but the two things happen simultaneously so yeah make of it what you will Mm -hmm. i think that's another reason why more gays would be the one to like kind of hype up is because of the wealth of Andor, the beauty of Camelin, the grandness of her palace. Like, yeah, this yeah. Is, this is a pretty gorgeous building with a lot of rich tapestries and sculptures and sea folk. Speaking of tapestries, yeah. <laughs> tapestries. Sorry, Where is this gonna go? I have to, I have to go back to House of the Dragon. Oh, <laughs> when please. Allison was like, do you want to see the tapestries? And they were all like, how lame. Go see the tapestries. But Mm. the tapestries are like naked people. She essentially just asked them if they want to go see some porn. Right. Not so lame now, is it? Yeah. Damon. Damien. Whatever your name is. That guy. Damon Layman. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, I love it. When Basil Gill is talking about what is, like, happening since Gabriel has come out of nowhere, he mentions bad dreams. We have another city where people are apparently being plagued by bad dreams. Like, even comes down to when they start talking about spreading rumors about Gabriel wanting to take out Elaine and whatnot – and he's like, oh, rumor will never come back here. I hunted down something recently, and some man tried to tell me that the dream that I had was his own dream. And you're like, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dream a lot talk of weirdness happening. going on. Yeah, and again, we're having this situation where things within a place aren't occur- – normal occurrences mm-hmm. seem to be – lesser and lesser like the fewer and fewer there's strange things happening and people just seem to be in kind of a harsh mood and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is it is it another uprising Mm -hmm. to be had Mm -hmm. is it something else i don't know i do know but i'm not gonna say (laughs) well and like and in this chapter 
Matt and Tom aren't really observing the people around them. They both have like their mission in mind. Tom just wants to hang out in a library and smoke his pipe and play stones. And Matt wants to get rid of the letter. And it's Basil Gill who's like, there's so much more whispering in corners and like just things don't feel normal so he's sharing like the mood of the city with them because they haven't noticed it the way that Perrin and Loyal notice it when they're an alien okay okay yeah so okay I'm I'm having a hard time not blurting out spoilers well then let's do that let's let's blurt away yay okay spoiler time (laughs) spoiler time is here so all of this talk about more gays i just think it would be so interesting to get more of a point of view from her side like what it was like when she was at the white tower Mm -hmm. and this was before t grain disappeared so at that point it would have been like a lady amelisa situation mm-hmm. where yeah it's someone who is of noble birth but it's not like she will be the queen where mm-hmm. when moraine was in the tower and there was a succession mm-hmm. they were pretty much like trying to get more gays into kyrian to take the sun throne mm-hmm. so like I wonder if Morghese's time in Tarvalin is something she thinks on fondly. Like, how was it for her? What was it like? Hmm. And this would have been... I'm trying to think if this would be before or after the Aeo War. After. Because it's Tigraine's disappearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're mm-hmm. right. You're right. So... I don't know, just like what a wild time she must have Mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting. I think she's one of these characters where it does seem likely that she might be left out of the series or her role will be reduced. Mm -hmm. And I know some people don't love her timeline within the story, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's something really fun about the whole queen incognito Mm -hmm. traveling as someone Mm -hmm. lesser i think and it's just yes i don't know it's like a fun i know it's a cliche i know that it is a trope but i don't care i like it i do too i i think that that storyline is one of the more enjoyable like plot sidelines that happens in the wheel of time like there are a lot of like little things that go off and i'm like okay i don't really care about that but more gays traveling with Lamguin and some cranky former noble from kyrian and lenny always being like mm-hmm. blah 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 weird saying of wisdom like and then of course her and talonvor and they're like i want you but i can't have you and Blah, 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 blah. Like, I love it. It's such a... It's it's comedic enough to be, like, an alleviation of all of the heavy stuff that's coming along with yeah. the rest of yeah. the thing. And I, I like it. Oh, Lenny. Right? Oh, Lenny. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why you wouldn't want that little 
<laughs> that little side. I mean, I can see it being cut out and it not being a big deal. You could you could axe all of that and you could still pull together the main pieces of the story and be just fine. Um, we would, of course, have have to figure out how we would have Elaine and her fight for the the throne in Andor. So one of the spoilers that I was trying to like not blurt out was about Gabriel slash Ravine. Right. And again, like you said something and it just made me think like, is he really necessary? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like his demise, I guess what? Like that's the big balefire moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of important to see, like, how Balefire is used in this context, but they yeah. could essentially have done that in season one. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean... Ooh, Balefire. <laughs> Let's see here. I think, I think Ravine's storyline could be eliminated from the TV show, and it wouldn't... It wouldn't hurt anything. They could still include it and amp it up and make it better, but I don't know if they'll they'll actually do that or not. Yeah. I think with I don't know. Balefire, big question mark. It could be used in multiple ways Definitely. at multiple times for multiple reasons and it would still have the same effect as how it's used against Ravine. Yeah. Or after Ravine. Yeah. Huh. Huh. So so many options. So many options. So many options. Too many to discuss for today, though. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.